Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. What did Ruth see in Naomi that made her make this kind of commitment? What did she see? What had she heard? What did she know about that made her make a commitment like this? We don't know. But it's an amazing commitment that she made. It says a lot about her. Because in this commitment that she's made, there's not a whole lot for her to gain. I'm going back to the land that you left because you didn't have nothing there. I'm going back to a people I don't know. I'm going to make your God, my God, and all these different things. And I have to believe that this was her moving in faith. Before the profound, redemptive shift in her story, Ruth put herself in a vulnerable situation. She lovingly chose to stay with her mother-in-law, even though she seemingly had nothing to gain from it. Today, Pastor Bill shows us what we can learn from Ruth, who chose to live by faith rather than doing what appeared most convenient for her at the moment. He also looks at what we can learn from the other characters in the story and encourages us to follow God, recognizing that that is the best way in the end. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Ruth, chapter 1, for today's edition of A Transforming Word. If you realize, man, things are veering in a direction that's not, and you know the word, in, in the most humble, meek, respectable way, it, it would be okay to say, Dad, Mom, the Bible says this and we're doing that. How come? And just, I mean, present it. You know, speak up. Say something. So this whole family mows down to Moab. Again, everything is going to really kind of fall apart for them there. And I thought of these three things before I move on. Just characteristics. And I wonder if there are people here that might relate to one of them. So one, are you like Elimelech? Man whose name means God is my king. But you're not living up to your name or your title, husband, dad, or whatever. Are you that kind of person? Are you a guy like Elimelech? I got a title that says I'm this. My name says that I'm this, but I'm not. I'm not living up to my name, my title, my calling. Everybody can evaluate themselves. Are you a Naomi? Her name meant pleasant one. Are you someone that's just kind of going with the flow, being pleasant? You know, it's not right. You don't feel good about it. It just doesn't kind of rub you right. But you just don't like to make waves or ruffle feathers. So you're just going along with whatever. Are you too pleasant? Are you a pleasant one? And again, pleasant is a nice thing. I'm not trying to knock that. If you're a woman and you're pleasant, be pleasant. But just don't be pleasant to a hurt, to a fault. Are you just too, are you pleasant and you wouldn't say nothing even if, you know, they bring in drugs in your house and you just, well, well, don't, just don't smoke it in here. You do it in the backyard. You know, you, are you just being pleasant, just letting things go all in front of your face? Third, are you like these two sons, Malon and Chilion? Are you just going along with poor leadership? over you. They had poor parental leadership. Nobody was seeking God on their behalf. And they they went along with it too. Are you like that? Just kind of rolling with it, not having anything to say. Maybe not even opposing in your heart. Maybe you're okay with the idea. Are you that? If so, any one of these three things, I challenge you to consider it. It doesn't go well for these guys. So look at now verse three. It says, then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. She was left and her two sons. Doesn't tell us how he died or why he died, but he got his family way down to Moab and then he died. He led them there and got them away from the people of God, the place of God, got them down into the world in Moab. Then he died. And now Naomi's left a widow with two sons to raise in this culture. And so just so you guys know, in this culture, it's always going to be tough to be a widow. 
But in this culture, even more so because typically men were the breadwinners. If your husband died, you wasn't going to make it. You were going to be in a position as a woman with children where you're dependent upon society to take care of you. But now she's in a foreign land. She's not even at home where her people are at. She's not in, you know, in Bethlehem, Judah, where they're like, hey, you know, Naomi's husband. Now, let's help her out, you guys. She's over in Moab. She's a foreigner over here. These are not her people. She's over there as a widower. So she's in a bad situation. But she got two sons saving grace. But let's look at what they do now. So she has her two sons. Verse four. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpah. That means youthful. And the name of the other was Ruth. And the name of Ruth means friendship. And that's the name of this book, the book of Ruth. Her name means friendship. And they dwelt there about 10 years. And so now we got another problem. The sons are down in Moab. You know, they're of age, obviously. And they're like, ain't, ain't, ain't no believing women over here, but we need wives. And so they start looking around at the women and they're like, they both picked them a little Moabite. They got, you know, youthful and friendship and they married them. Now, I'm just for a moment. want to talk to my single people. For are you singles? Probably the I won't say the biggest, but one challenge for single people today, just as I talk to people that are waiting on God to bring them someone. There are times is a complaint from people that they're not enough. You know, I'm waiting on a Christian girl, but I don't see him waiting on a good Christian guy. But I don't see none right now. So I'm gonna go get me one of them <laughs> over there at the club or whatever, wherever you got to go get them at. But and I just would throw this out there to you. This is not going to go well for them either. It will always be better to wait on the Lord for what he's going to do. Even if it seems like God's taking a long time to bring it to pass. If you're single and you're waiting on the Lord, single in the sense that you're unmarried. Some people have a boyfriend or girlfriend for a long time and they think they're not single. You're single in the biblical sense. You're unattached. You're unmarried. God doesn't recognize your relationship. You're single. So if you're unmarried, you're single. And God's will is that single Christian people would wait on the Lord to marry other single Christian people. If you're writing notes, you can write down Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians, chapter six, verses 14 through 18. I'll read it to you real quick. It says this it says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness what communion has light with darkness and what accord has Christ with Bilal? What part has a believer with an unbeliever? Those are all rhetorical questions. The answer is nothing. What does Christ and Satan have in common? Nothing. What does light and darkness have in common? Nothing. What does a believer and a non-believer have in common? Nothing. God's saying. So he said, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And in verse 16, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? None. For you are the temple of the living God. He reminds him here. You are, if you're Christian, God lives in you. You are the temple of the living God. That word temple is the same word used in the Old Testament for the holy of holies. The place where the actual, the Shekinah glory, the presence of God dwelt. God said, that's what you are now. You're where I reside. I live in you. You are the temple of the living God. And so God says, look, you're where I live at now. You're not to be coming together with unbelievers and linking up. And then he says this. For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. He says, I will dwell in them and I will walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. 
Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you. You shall be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. God said, look, I don't want my kids intermixing. That doesn't mean God. God don't have a problem with interracial marriages. So if you're black and you marry someone white, that's Christian. Praise the Lord. If you're, you know, whatever you are, you can marry any race you want. That's irrelevant. God is saying, don't marry unbelievers. Don't for believers not to be married together with an unbeliever. So if you're not supposed to marry an unbeliever, can you date one? If you're saying, you know, because this is what people do, too. They're like, well, maybe I'll lead them to the Lord. Oh, how many failed missionary dating attempts where in your attempt to lead them to the Lord, they lead you to the devil and you be doing what you ain't supposed to be doing with them while you leading them to the Lord. You can't lead somebody to the Lord while you're sinning against the Lord with them. So that's just usually a fail. So if you're single, it shouldn't even be an option. It shouldn't even be something you consider. Someone's interested in you and they don't know the Lord yet. But they got a good job. <laughs> they, they, may, they bring home some what they bring home. Good. Irrelevant. Right. That shouldn't even be an option. Shouldn't be something you consider. Shouldn't even be something you go ahead and let your heart get wrapped up in. They're not saved. They don't know the Lord. Then what I've seen is this. But they go to church. But nothing else about their life says they're a Christian. But they go to church. Y'all know that Satan go to church. You guys know the non-believers go to church. Do you know that some people are sneaky enough to go to church just to find somebody good at church, even though they're not good, but they want somebody good for them? It happens all the time. So them going to church doesn't qualify either. Can I get an amen? Do you guys know that happens? Maybe guys is like, you know, I'm sick of all these. I'm a dog. I mean, I'm a dog with 10 teeth, you know, but I'm not going to, I don't want another club. I'm going to go to church and find me one. Who want me a good girl at church, you know, but you're a dog, you know, the tail wagon, <laughs> you're still the fully dog, you know. It happens. So just their attendance at a gathering called church doesn't qualify them. If their lifestyle is not speaking that God's in control, it shouldn't even be something you consider. So I don't want to get on y'all too tough, but my single people, if I could just exhort you in one way, I would say I would exhort you to let the Lord do it. I have seen people wait on God and God come through like, I mean, really just come through, just put it together beautifully as they waited on him. I've seen people rush out in front of the Lord. I'm going to go do it myself. And they got to do it yourself. If I do a project at home myself, you'll see it and you'll know the difference. You'll say, you did that yourself, huh? I did. That was a do it yourself. I didn't call in the professionals. I did it myself. It looked like a do it yourself. So if you're in a do it yourself, let the Lord work it out. God's gracious. He can work from here. But if you're single, I'm saying, wait on the Lord. Let the Lord do it. And last thing I'm going to say to you single people. Some single people are not in a position to receive what God has for them because you got your hands firmly attached on something you went out and got for yourself. So God couldn't even bring you somebody. There are single men and there are single women who God would do something for you, but God can't do it because you're still going out with him and her. So you don't look available. You don't look like with God's son or God's daughter. God can't do it for you right now. So. If you're going to receive what God has, you got to be in a position to receive what God has. So I'm like, well, I'm going to hang on to this in the dark while I wait on the Lord to bring me something over here in the light. And if that works out, I'll break up with this. And then you'll be all this kind of drama that nobody in their right mind that love God is going to want. They're going to be like, oh, I'm cool. <laughs> you sound like you got some issues to work out, you know, and you'll be still over there dealing with your issues. So my single people, I love you guys. I love you with all my heart. I want to see people get married in the Lord the right way. It grieves me when I see people hurt 
because they're doing it wrong. And there's so much more that I see. I'm like, I just look at the result of how people do singleness today. People are really down on the guys. You a deadbeat dad. And I'm looking at, and there are, there are a lot of deadbeat dads. And I, and I, you know, all these baby mamas and all this stuff. But you know what I realized every time I see a baby mama? If it wasn't a rape, you lay down with this loser. You did this to your child. You're a participant in the whole thing. So that's a whole thing that it's in the world, but it's sad when it's happening among us because God has given us instructions that will lead us in a better way. Amen. All right, I'm gonna get off of that. So <laughs> Malon and Chilion went out to Moab and they found them a couple of Moabite honeys, Orpa, Euphel and Ruth. And they went ahead and married them. That was not God's will. They shouldn't have done this. Look at verse five. Then interesting. The very next verse, then both Malon and Chilion also died. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. So this trip to Moab has been all bad. Ruth follows God is king down to Moab with Malon and Chilion. They get down there and I don't know how long they were there before husband died, but husband's dead. Boom. The time spent in Moab altogether, they're going to tell us is 10 years, but they get down there and dad dies. God is Elimelech dies off the bat. Now the two sons say, well, now we're going to go find us some wives of Moabite. They get two women, they marry them. And in the very next verse says, then they died. Now, they were already born sickly and with some other challenges. I don't know if that was an ongoing challenge, but they died. And it doesn't tell us why they died. You know, I don't want to read into the Bible. It's not there. I don't want to say God killed them because they married non-believers. But I am looking at this saying, wow, if you just read this, it kind of sounds like, wow, dad led them down the wrong way. He died. Sons married non-believers. They died. I at least going to say it, it didn't go well. This trip to Moab has been a bummer. This had not been good for this family. So now you got Naomi. You got Pleasant. She's down in Moab and everybody she went with died. Her husband died and her sons died. And now she got these two young daughter-in-laws left behind with her. And that's kind of where the story brings us at this point. Her pain is real. Anybody here that's lost a loved one, she's lost three loved ones. She lost everything she had. She lost her husband. She lost her son. This woman is grieving hurting. We're going to see through the end of the chapter, even a little bitter. She's had a rough go at things. And again, I just want to read it honestly, as I look at what brought things about, they haven't been the best decisions being made, but also recognize this woman is hurting. So look at verse, verse six says, then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited the people by giving them bread. So she's down here in Moab and she heard, what, you, what, huh, what? Back home, the Lord has showed up. What? Back home, the Lord had visited his children and he fed them with bread. So she's down here in Moab. She's down here with foreigners. She's down here done lost everything. And she hears, what? 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 The place we left, God showed up. They didn't die. They made it. God fed them. She's hearing that God showed up. And everybody back home that didn't leave is doing all right. And I wonder what that was like. I wonder if she, you know, looked back and thought, man, we shouldn't have left. Wow. You know, look at what this cost me. Look, they're all doing okay. And I'm over here, then lost everything. I will say this because maybe you're here and you suffer great loss. Maybe you even suffer great loss because of bad decisions. 
we'll see through Ruth's life, and that's one of the beautiful things in this story, we'll see that the opportunity for redemption is, there's going to be a beautiful story of redemption that takes place here. So look at verse 7 now. Therefore, she went out from that place where she was, and her two daughter-in-laws with her, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, go return to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and they wept. So Naomi looks at her two daughters-in-law and she said, you guys going back home. I'm praying that God would go with you guys and you guys would find new husbands and that, you know, God would be kind to you like y'all were kind to me. And she kissed them and they lifted up their voice and they had a good old girl cry. They all just wept together. Three widows, three women mourning the loss of loved ones. Naomi mourning the loss of a husband and two sons. Orpah and Ruth, the loss of their young husbands. And they probably had a good old girl cry together. Some of you girls know what it's like. Guys get together and have a good old cry. You know, I don't know if the fellas do that, but I know women can get together and and just let them rip. So they had a good cry. They wept out loud together. And it says in verse 10, and they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. So initially, both the girls, Ruth and Orpah, said, no, we're going to go back with you. And in verse 11, but Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Obviously, no. Turn back my daughters and go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and also bear sons, would you wait for them until they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And then they lifted up their voices and they wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. This is an important turn in the story here. Naomi says to them, he says, look, girls, I'm old. I'm not going to have another husband. Even if I did, are you going to wait till I have a husband, have sons? They grow up old enough for you to remarry. She said, that's crazy. Y'all go find husbands. And she's just saying, y'all go back home. She's trying to send them off home. Initially, they both said, we're going to just go with you. But after her little speech here, Orpah said, peace out. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I'm going back home. See if I can get me somebody. And Orpah said, now that you asked me twice, I'm going to go ahead and go. But Ruth says Ruth clung to her. Everybody know that's like somebody offer you something. You said, no, no, it's OK. And they just said, OK, <laughs> and they put it away. Uh, <laughs> or somebody you said, no, no, it's OK. And they just insist. No, you're going to have it. No, no, no. Yeah, you're gonna, no, no. Yes. Yeah, OK, fine. Take it. So Naomi is the one that just one admonition. No, you go back home. I'm not going to have sons. You know what? <laughs> Good looking out. <laughs> it was nice knowing you. I'm going to go on back home, says Orpah. Ruth, though, is not going to be the same way. Ruth clings to her. And so it says in verse 15, and this is what Ruth says. This is awesome stuff. I'm going to go back and talk about it in a minute. She said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. So she tells Ruth again. Naomi said, Ruth, look, your sister-in-law, she left. You going back too. And I want to read verses 16 and 17 real quick. It says, but Ruth said, entreat me or beg me or ask me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die 
and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also of anything but death parts you and me. So with Ruth makes a declaration here that says, I'm getting ready to change my whole life. And I want you to pay attention to what she says, because the rest of this book, we're going to see Ruth walk into some amazing blessings. But I want you to see the attitude of heart, the kind of person that she was at this point in time. This is what Ruth says. Ruth tells Naomi, I'm not going to go back. She says, don't ask me to leave you again. And these are the four things. She said, wherever you go, I'm going to go. Location. I'm getting ready to change my location. I'm from Moab. I'm getting ready to go where you live. I'm going to Bethlehem, Judah. I'm going to be a foreigner. But wherever you go, I'm going to go. I'm going to be with you wherever you go. Then she says, wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you lodge, I'll lodge. Same thing. I'm going to live with you wherever you go. Not just going back home to you. She says, no, no, no. Where you lodge, I'm going to be in the same room. Okay, we're going to live in the same dwelling. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be here for you. That's what she's saying. She's not saying I'm just going to go back home with you and find my own life. She said, no, wherever you lodge, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be in your life. We're going to be close. The next thing she says, your people shall be my people. So she's saying, look, I'm a Moabitess, but I'm going back to Bethlehem, Judah, where you and your people are going to be my people. I'm going to have a cultural exchange. It'd be like going into a whole nother culture and saying, look, I'm going to adapt to your culture. I'm going to go ahead and be a foreigner over here. I'm going to go ahead and have to learn the language or learn the behavior, or whatever. But your people are going to be my people. We're going to be connected in that way. Then she says, and this is the most important one. Your God will be my God. So Naomi was a believer. You know, she had come from the same area. Maybe even her son that married a non-believer. Maybe he had even shared a little bit, but she knew who the God of Israel was. She said, look, your God. It's going to be my God over here in Moab. We worship all kinds of deities and gods that ain't God. But your God's going to be my God. That's the most important one. I'm getting ready to worship your God. I'm I'm changing teams. Spiritually speaking, your God's going to be my God. I'm going to submit to your God and worship your God and live after the rules of your God. Your God's going to be my God. Then she makes a vow that's even deeper than a marriage vow for you guys that are here that are married at the end of a marriage vow ceremony. What's the last thing you say? What's the last commitment you make till death do us part? That means once you die and I didn't kill you, this commitment is this commitment, this uh, this vow that we're taking, this this agreement that we're entering into. It ends at death. So if somebody's married for so long and then someone dies. They're, you know, in a sense, they're released of whatever their obligation. They're no longer continue to be obligated after death. She tells her, look, where you're buried, I'm going to be buried. And she says, you know, wherever you die, I'm going to die. I'm going to be with you all the way till death. And then when you're buried, I'm going to be buried beyond. I plan to be buried wherever you get laid up at. I plan to be there. I'm committed, Naomi, for the rest of life, then death. I'm going to be with you. And I'm looking and saying, what did Ruth see in Naomi that made her make this kind of commitment? What did she see? What had she heard? What did she know about that made her make a commitment like this? We don't know, but it's an amazing commitment that she made. It says a lot about her because in this commitment that she's made, there's not a whole lot for her to gain. I'm going back to the land that you left because you didn't have nothing there. I'm going back to a people I don't know. I'm going to make your God, my God, and all these different things. And I have to believe that this was her moving in faith. And so as I look at these three widows, again, Naomi, she's getting ready to, to go back home. Naomi to me represents the person that's repenting. You know, I went away from where I was supposed to be and now I'm turning back. 
And so maybe you're here and you need to be like a Naomi. Maybe it's time for you to go back to the Lord. Maybe it's time for you to go back to to the house of bread, the place of praise. There are people that need to go back and be in fellowship again. There are people that need to turn around for what they're doing and go back to the Lord. You've been doing something empty. You've been somewhere where you've been unnourished. You've been somewhere where God's not there. And God's saying, you need to go back. That's for some people what they need to do. Like Naomi, she was going to be going back. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington on A Transforming Word, a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. We have two services every Sunday at 9 and 11 or Wednesday evening at 7, and we would love to meet you. If you can't make it, no problem. We stream our services on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook Live. You never need to miss a message, but if you do, you can always find it on YouTube. There is a link on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's calvaryinglewood.org. There, under the Media tab, you'll find links to more messages as well as our mobile app. Pastor Bill has been working his way through the Book of Ruth, a story of faithfulness and reward. Ruth remained faithful to her mother-in-law, doing everything she was asked, even trading her own gods and people for the God of Israel and a new home. Her journey included marriage, being widowed, moving to a new country, abject poverty, and marriage again to a wealthy landowner. Through it all, she remained constant and faithful, and she was rewarded. She became the great-grandmother of the King of Israel, King David. Just like Ruth, just like Ruth, you have opportunities in front of you every day. No matter what circumstances life throws at you, you have a choice. You can choose faithfulness and obedience, or you can choose to go your own way. What will you choose today? Well, we're out of time for today. We love spending this time with you digging into the Book of Ruth. Join us next time for more right here on The Transforming Word.